Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. The opinions expressed by our hosts and guests are strictly their own and do not represent the positions of any lodge, grand lodge, or other branches of the independent order of Odd Fellows. Our conversations will be open to the public for the purposes of inspiring our global membership and promoting the order. And now, let's continue the journey. Modern Goat Rider podcast. I'm Billy Sanderson. And I'm Tara Zajac. Hi, Tara. How are you? It's been a great evening so far. Really enjoyed our recording tonight. Yeah, we got to speak to Justin Bailey in Pennsylvania. And uh, I'm falling in love with him. He's uh, Greg Sims is still my A number one guest. Greg, you're out there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I like Justin a lot. It was great. But it's, I mean, the, such the gift of the whole the whole internet thing and the modern goat rider and having occasions to speak to people from different lodges is that you talk to people from different parts of the world and unfortunately and you'll hear this is he's concerned about hurricanes and i thought gosh like that's you know we have our own forest fires and earthquakes earthquakes and the whole thing at our end but uh yeah, there's so many commonalities and so many differences here and there. Our worries are different. Yeah, and and we talked about something that's common. We talked about yeah. rules of order. The most common thing. Yeah. <laughs> are you excited to hear the rest of the show? It's it, going to be so exciting. It actually ends up being more, <laughs> more fun than you think it will be. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty a good. good show. Yeah, it's a good show. So we covered a lot. We... Um, we kind of bantered a little bit mm -hmm. and then we uh, got, I got into the weeds and then uh, you helped us out with uh, a nice little springboard out of committees into governance. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're a newish member, an established member, or have been part of different committees um, in other volunteer life things, the interest, you know, Robert's rules of order is somewhat ubiquitous. So I think, you know, the struggle is real in terms of uh, learning it, executing it, having it work for you and not become an impediment. And that's some of the stuff we talk about. And I think it went really well. And yeah, Justin, there's lots of giggles, very, very good energy. And darn that border being closed. It'd be fun to have him up here for a beer one of these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we just go right into it? And uh, we will, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to everybody again later. You'll hear us real soon. And as always, send us any thoughts, ideas, comments. We'd love to hear it. Always love to hear it. And don't forget to send your thoughts on what makes us... Don't forget to send us your thoughts on what makes a successful lodge. Send it to info at moderngoatrider.com. So we are uh, very honored, honored, Grand Lodge level honored here to be sitting with uh, my internet friend, uh, who has helped me out quite a bit. I'll tell you about those stories in a moment. Uh, but Tara and I are here sitting with uh, Justin Bailey from the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Great to be here tonight. So why don't you give us uh, uh, the uh, Justin Bailey Oddfellows bio? Tell us a bit about yourself. 
All right. Sounds good. Uh, well, I was raised in Odd Fellowship. Uh, my father joined the Odd Fellows a year before I was born. Uh, and I grew up in the anteroom of Lodge Hall. As he was upstairs in his meetings, I was downstairs playing with pool table. Uh, he served as Grandmaster in the early 90s. And uh, as soon as I was able to join, I did. Um, I've, I'm now 20 years in the Odd Fellows. Uh, I joined Harmony Lodge 86 in Tamaqua. Uh, back in 2000. So it, it's been a fun ride ever since. Uh, I served two years as secretary, then I joined the military for four years. When I came back, I went right back in as secretary, uh, put me through the chairs of the uh, lodge, and uh, then I went through the chairs of Grand Lodge. I served in 2013 as Grand Master. Uh, and I went back when I got out of that I went in as grand secretary so I've been there since 2014 uh just got done doing a three and a half year term as department commander uh, active in all the branches having fun with what I'm doing so uh that's about it I like I said I'm the secretary of Harmony Lodge I'm the clerk of the canton and I'm the scrub of uh, Scott and Canton so it's busy busy absolutely and you're a young man yeah, I'm, uh, I'll be 37 at the end of the month. So uh, I, I've enjoyed it, though. There's a lot of uh, younger people in my lodge and throughout the state. Fortunately, the uh, old timers who were kind of not scared, maybe scared, I guess we'll say scared of youth. Um, they've kind of all either passed on or are incapacitated. So uh things work pretty well. We all work together as a jurisdiction and we're trying to keep our numbers up, trying to keep lodges from closing down. Uh, last couple that have, we've been able to turn them around and reinstitute them. So we have two lodges right now that, that closed up within the last five years, but have reactivated and got a good crew of uh, people there. And hopefully we can keep that trend up. Is it mostly younger people that are joining? And by younger, like 40s-ish, or even younger than that, or what's your demographic? It's a mix. Um, 40s to 50s to some people that have just retired and are looking for something to get active in. Uh, they start doing genealogy, or they're active in their historical society. And no matter where you go in, in Pennsylvania, if you get active in historical society, you're bumping up against odd fellowship. You know, when people are trying to figure out what this is, why it was such a crucial part of the order. So then they end up calling me. Um, there's actually just one down in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Gentleman uh, Eric Kelso uh, called me. Their historical society has this gorgeous building that was redone in the 20s in a Gothic revival style. And I've never seen a hall like it. And they have these beautiful stained glass windows, this huge, just open building. Um, and they're trying to redo it. And he's looking up what all this is about you know and he called and I, I told him what it used to do for the community and what it can still do so he's very active on Facebook now he's trying to get the historical society to jump on board and, and start the lodge back up so um it just seems it, it's a lot of it all ages uh we tell people you know it's not something that's going to take up every minute of your daily life you know, a uh, couple nights a month. And then if you feel like it's going good and you want to make it more active, I mean, you can make it as active as you want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we do similar. We don't uh, make you promise a kidney, but yeah. invariably 
invariably keep people you'll volunteer a kidney yeah yeah of sorts and we're we're good at making it seem fun so it's good stuff you wake up in a bathtub it's cool (laughs) so i met uh justin i'll tell my little justin story because on the 2019 anniversary year uh the odd fellows of victoria were extravaganza weekend thing going on and um we were trying to come up with a uh a decoration day at the cemetery that we knew that there were lots of odd fellows and I went hunting for flags and I couldn't find flags really anywhere until I stumbled upon the amazing uh, web store of the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania and very kindly ordered uh, 225 uh, flags that Justin bundled up and shipped off to us and uh, we didn't make it for August or for April, but um, we ended up having it on a spectacularly sunny day in July and uh, taught, um, we connected with our uh, old cemetery society in Victoria and they did the tour for us and helped us find everyone. So we, uh, we ended up marking 200 graves uh, between the Jewish cemetery, which is on the sort of north side of town and with the, um, uh, the older, um, Ross Bay Cemetery, where most of the uh, most of the odd fellows were. So that's how I met Justin. That's awesome. And he's been a great sense. So we've asked him to be here for this because we know he is not an expert on this topic, <laughs> but he's willing. So he's here. And we are going to follow up and give some uh, information about the Roberts Rules survey that I put on Facebook. And very kindly, we received, uh, as of today, 32 responses. Thank you very much, everyone. Um, And as I learned in Statistics 101, 30 responses gives you a minimum quantity to state that this represents all (laughs) of North America with these (laughs) answers that we received. Even though the answers only came from California, Ontario, and Pennsylvania. I think we went to different stats classes. Did you? Yeah. Oh. My stats 101 was a little bit different, but no. that's, that's okay. No, it, no, was, what do you do? it was full on. Let's just get through this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Justin, did you see the results? Yes, I did. Yep. So, um, I, I was figuring that maybe we would just hit a couple of these. Um, but before we get to that, we should probably talk about Robert's rules in general. Okay. So how do you know Robert's rules? Well, what I was always told as we got active in the lodge and started going through the chairs, how to correctly operate. I was always told that the ritual is your number one Bible to go off of everything that's in there comes first and foremost from there's your sovereign grand lodge code of law, and then your own jurisdictions code and everything that's not covered in those three books runs down to Robert's rules border. Uh, and that's your way primarily of how a meeting should be run, how to keep order in things and, and just how to make everything you do run as smoothly as possible. Um, so I, I have found it is a very important thing. It seems like every year they come out with a new uh, volume just to keep you buying them. But whatever works. And I've seen going throughout the lodges in Pennsylvania, at least. I could tell the lodges that are using it and the lodges that are not using it, uh, lodges who have used an old outdated one and um, how it can almost lead to the demise of a lodge. Uh, You can get a lot of infighting with it. Um, So there are general 
ways of running things and how to speak in an open meeting, you know, uh, to do things correctly and keep it within the confines of the law, a lodge can run a lot smoother that way. Right. Mm -hmm. What about you? Have you, like, how oh. did you come across or learning or no. knowing anything about them? No, um, I don't from a peripheral experience. So through an odd fellows context, I haven't done a Robert's rules of order training, but I've been on different boards before that again, we're probably loosey goosey on it. So I, I have a, let's say this, I have a better knowledge of statistics than I do of Robert's rules of order. Okay. Uh, so, so this, like this conversation is great because I feel like there are scenarios that come up when conversations get very active at a lodge and it falls apart um, because it's, you know, it's a lot of burden, I think, to put on um, the chair or whatever to maintain it. It'd be easier if everybody was familiar. So you have less chaos to sort through in the first place. Like I feel for the secretary that was like, sorry, what was that motion? And mm -hmm. who seconded it and what's going on versus something tabled for elsewhere or whatever. So like that organization of thought, I, I it seems like it goes a lot of places. And then for me as a member, not being as familiar as probably I should be, uh, I lose track. I like, I lose the plot a little bit and then I just kind of step right. out. Yeah. I had never had them ever told to me that there was mm -hmm. such a thing as Robert's rules until I got to the odd fellows, because I was on a strata council, you know, 25 years ago and it just operated, but nobody said that's what we were following. They just, I just watched. And I think that's how a lot of new odd fellows might be learning it is they're just watching, but they're not being told necessarily what, what they're watching yeah like yeah. what you're watching is robert's rules performed really well or robert's rules performed performed poorly but you're just witness to it so if you don't if you haven't read it mm -hmm. or you haven't been given a briefing then robert's rules you know it seems kind of common sense when you're going through it if you've been to a meeting before right. but if you've never been to a meeting before anywhere else. And then I'm on a board now, a nonprofit and they're, and they say they're following Robert's rules, but there's only two things that ever happened under Robert's rules is that we motion for the agenda and we motion, we don't, we don't really spend a lot of money. So we motion for one other, you know, a couple other things and then we motion to adjourn, but really it's just a discussion point. So you have these like, what is it? Mm -hmm. I'm, we're not expected to be parliamentary experts right but there's people in lodges that are and they love it right like this is maybe what you're talking about justin where there's you know either arguments or there's maybe some disagreements about how things are supposed to be done procedurally correct and yeah i mean we've i've been to several lodges where a meeting's going to run an hour and a half because instead of handling things in committees or talking about it afterwards while we're out having refreshments they want to talk about it in an open meeting. And again, where you should be following Robert's rules of orders, you're only supposed to talk once, supposed to stand up and address the chair. It ends up into being more of a round table discussion and the noble grand standing up there going, well, I like to hit the gavel on so-and-so because they keep talking about it. But if I hit the gavel on them, it's gonna upset them. Why do you hit the gavel? You know, um, it almost seems good if it was um, maybe brought up when you have installation or shortly thereafter, because installations can get long anyhow. But if the district deputy would at least, you know, bring it up at a meeting 
and uh, discuss it, or if there was a school of instruction on it, it would definitely be beneficial because it does, if it's not followed at all, it can get a little hairy, even with fighting or, or just having a long meeting or just being completely unprepared and, you know, have the secretary uh, mumbling through the communications and just slowing down the speed of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like what you said too about speaking once, because I think versus a round table, if you know, like if you're adhering to the rules and you know that you have limited opportunities to speak, then by golly, you better be concise and well-formed with your thoughts as opposed to like, you know, haphazard musings that are audible to everybody else and makes a meeting take an hour and a half or two hours that it doesn't need to be. And you could be having refreshments or chatting or, you know, moving on with your lives. And so I think to your point, like that better knowledge of the rules forces people to be more thoughtful in what they're saying, because I think we've all been to work meetings where sometimes people are guilty for speaking because they like their voices. And that's not always useful. The progression of decisions being made or a good discussion is just someone who likes to talk a lot. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I'm a person who likes to talk a lot. So, (laughs) so I have a podcast. (laughs) I like to hear my voice. It's the correct outlet though. So I listen to it often. (laughs) Uh, What I, I, I think about the person who's speaking like they, when, okay. So I have an example from a Grand Lodge uh, experience where a person stood up and was telling the grandmaster or the chair or whoever had been speaking at the at the uh, at the particular meeting I was witnessing, um, and they were pointing to the bylaws and they were you know this is so important and they were saying you're not following this. That person who's standing there believes this is the value that they can bring to either the lodge or the meeting um, or even the discussion, right? Mm-hmm. And so they believe that their voice has value Mm -hmm. and that's why they're willing to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, if it adds value and you have to subjectively decide if it adds value or if it's just them agreeing with the 10 people who've already spoken, then you, you know, that's where the Roberts rule comes in and that's where the, um, the strength of a noble grand or of, of whoever's chairing a meeting is able to say, yeah, okay, that's great. You're not building on the motion at hand, or you're not trying to defeat the motion at hand. You're just telling you're going to vote yes with 500 words or more that you are going to be voting yes. And that that that's where the, like Justin just said, do I just strike the gavel on this person because they're, they're shooting us right down the road we're already running mm-hmm. and, and it's not helping. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's the kind of discussion that you have a committee like that. That's what I think you, you put that kind of really in depth talk through the thing and the, the surmising of possible scenarios and so forth. That that's best at a committee. Mm-hmm. Or keeping it super brief. I, I work for a local government and then similar, sometimes you have counselors who they agree, but they kind of want to be on the record yeah. justifying where they're supporting a thing. So I, I kind of get it. But I think in the interest of a, an efficient meeting, then perhaps you do move along per the rules and that's why they exist. Yeah. And maybe you chat about your thoughts afterwards. Right. So Justin, do you have a lodge that uh, you want to give a shout out to that does really well? I'll edit it out if there's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Gauntlet. Um, no, there are there are several lodges that, that do good. I, I've been to uh, Alma Lodge in Johnstown. That's probably our largest lodge in the state. They have about 130 members, and then they're right in downtown Johnstown. Um, the way they run their meeting, uh, the way they run the finances, they have a lot of money, a lot of members, a lot of rentals. It seems to work like a well-oiled machine. Um, and mainly that's because, again, they have out of the 130 members, when I've been at their meetings, they have 30 to 40 show up. So they have people to do the work. Um, and it works out that way then. Uh, our Grand Lodge this past year, we just had our session um, the, the last week in June. It worked out well. We did it in person. Uh, all our everything lifted before before our session, so we were able to hold it. But you know, when it comes time to where there's a sticky spot in our laws um, or how we're running things, if there's an issue, the Grand Master can refer to the Judicial Committee. This is the first year since I've been coming to session that they actually referred to the Judicial Committee. And I think they did it three times because it's just been so long since we met and started doing different things. Um, it made it a little difficult to figure out a path forward. So the Judicial Committee met in the back of the room while we were having the rest of our meeting and then came up with a path forward. So if there were issues, which like I said, there were a few, just our code being out of compliance with the Sovereign Grand Lodge Code, uh, they were able to help out. But um, it seems like a lot of the lodges that are doing good, Alma Lodge, Freedom Lodge up in Honesdale works real well. They have nice, efficient meetings um, to where they're not just following Robert's rules, but they're following the ritual. They're not just sitting around a table. Um, it seems to work well. Uh, the lodges that are failing are not using Robert's rules at all. They're just, it's a free-for-all. They're showing up, they're yelling at each other, they're going home angry. And then the next day, my phone's ringing off the hook at the office because they're tattling on each other. And that leads, you know, they're bringing in five or six people a month and then five or six people are quitting the next month because they're just right. trying to beef up their own numbers. Or they're just kind of holding like a social club and then people are calling and saying, yeah, but what are we supposed to even be doing? We're showing up, we're donating a few bucks, we're having pizza. But I mean, is there more to it than just, you know, sitting around talking? Well, yeah, you're supposed to put under a gale. You're supposed to have a meeting. Oh, well, what's that? You know, so it, it does, you know, make a mess sometimes. But it seems like the lodges that are using it properly are succeeding, you know. Mm. Um, but they're not staying strictly to it to the point where the members aren't having a good time. Uh, you know, I've been to meetings where the members are so worried that they're not doing the right thing. They're sitting there stressed out, sweating, unhappy that they're there. And it's like, look, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying coming out to lodge, you're doing something wrong. So find a comfortable area where everybody can do the right thing and, and figure it out and move forward for the betterment of your lodge. Yeah, like you want to follow the rules, but not so much that you're being pedantic and then things aren't happening because people are afraid of misplacing emotion like that. Correct going to end the world necessarily but no. it's great if you can and, and and this is this is what kind of throws me i've i haven't been an odd fellow for very long and i i am a personality that is goal orientated and i'm about outcome like we want to give money to this group if we give money to the group at the end you know 
A plus. Well, maybe A minus. But, um, you know, the idea of how we got there, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Like we, we, we accomplished what mm -hmm. we set out to do. So I'm, I'm kind of lenient on, okay, following the rules and so forth. Um, and I've said this before that, you know, your bylaws, nowhere in your bylaws or in Robert's rules, does it say how to gain more members yeah. or how to keep members. Yeah. But because of your bylaws and because of your actions following Robert's rules, you can lose members. I guess I would advocate though, you give up your precious time to go to a meeting. Yeah. And if you observe a meeting feeling like there's momentum and stuff is getting done, as opposed to circling, circling where you all know you're going to end up to me, that would make me almost less inclined to go because I would feel like this is a huge, like kind of almost a waste of my time. Like I'm glad that group is getting the check but I'm here for many hours more than I need to be. And I have other stuff to do. Yeah. So I, I'm a fan of efficiency as well as that. And they're not mutually exclusive. So I don't think we're disagreeing necessarily, but, but you don't want to become an encumbrance. Again, you don't want to be so pedantic that no one has any fun because yeah. everybody's just worried about like speaking at the right time. Yeah, I agree with Justin on that, you know, that sort of zone that you mentioned that there's the zone of, of doing it right. And mm -hmm. so that it looks similar going lodge to lodge. And then there's also the, the people, everyone's comfortable being there. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Uh, let's get into the weeds here. <laughs> Not that we haven't been in the weeds yet. It's going to get crazy. All right. So, uh, okay. So when did the odd fellows start? Anybody? North America odd fellows. When did they start? 202 years ago. 202 years ago. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. 1819 from our guest. Uh, when did Robert's rules get written? A lot longer afterwards. So from 1819 until 1876, there were no Robert's rules for the odd fellows to follow. Um, and we know there was a grand lodge, so they must have had some kind of uh, rules. Uh, I did some re other research. I found uh, something called uh, Bournois, Bournois, B O U R. I-N-O-T. Bourgneau. Bourgneau. It sure. was, uh, it's the, actually the Canadian parliamentary rules of order. Oh, two swords? Two swords length? Two swords, maybe. Uh, 1894. And then I learned about uh, something called the Rosenberg rules of order. Do you know the Rosenberg, Rosenberg rules? No. no. That one I don't. Do you know uh, our Dave, uh, Oddfellow Dave Rosenberg? I know of him, yeah. Yes, of the uh, dedicated members of Change. Uh, so he actually wrote these things called uh, the Rosenberg Rules of Order, which are being adopted in cities for all over California for their uh, method or their replacement to, Ro uh, to Roberts. And so you can look that one up. I, I found this uh, on a CaliforniaCities.org uh, resources page with a 10-page explanation of what the Rosenberg rules are and uh, they're based on Roberts but uh, the reason why I bring them up is because in our survey uh, we asked uh, what is a good way to learn Roberts rules of order and almost everyone from California said learn Rosenberg's <laughs> laugh track ha <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyways, let's, uh, let's talk about these results here. So we, uh, we asked uh, three questions, uh, two questions, 
to anyone who uh, filled out the form, which we thank you very much. There was 32 people, I mentioned that earlier. Uh, so question number one uh, was pick as many that apply to your lodge related to Robert's rules of order. So the choices were Robert's rules of order are critical and all members know them, which only four people said yes to. The veterans know Robert's rules of order and they guide the newer members through them. 19 members or 19 uh, survey uh, participants said that. So that came out to about 60%. That's pretty good. I think that's it's kind of what we're talking about, right? Somebody shows, somebody shows. Um, not following rules of order tends to start arguments in our lodge. And this is an unfortunate one that four people said, yes, is true. Uh, Robert's rules of order would help our lodge, but not enough members know them, 10 people. Uh, so roughly a third of the respondents said that more people need to know them. And then I don't think uh, the last, uh, the last choice was, I don't think anyone in our lodge knows they exist of which three people said that. So uh, I would say that three people might be the ones that are kind of like me when they first showed up, like, what are we doing here? We're just, we're just, this is the way the meeting runs. Yeah. And I know a lot of them too, with the veteran members who know, the way things work and everybody kind of follows them. That could be a good thing and that could be a bad thing because in our lodge, the veteran members who have been in 50, 60 years are going off the way Robert's Rules of Order were written 50, 60 years ago. So they're not really watching the way it should be progressing with technology or with the way things have changed. Uh, they fall back on the old that's how things always have been. That's how we always do. You know, three black balls and the person's not admitted. No, that changed too, you know. And um, it doesn't seem like people are actively watching it. Um, we have in our office, it's interesting because you were talking about, you know, what was before Robert's Rules of Order. We have boxes up in the attic of volumes of books that governed the Odd Fellows to a T in its early inception along with volumes of charges that were brought up against members and how they, you know, most of it about getting benefits and stuff and how it was handled, where it was referred to. I didn't get a chance to open them up and go through them all because it gets really technical. And frankly, most of it's, you know, nothing to do with the times anymore. But it needs to be updated again, especially like our jurisdiction has a manual of instruction breaks down how to run all your orders of business, what the committee should do, how to open and close a meeting, uh, kind of dumbs it down to say, you know, so a new member can get it and read it in words that they can understand. Because sometimes the ritual can be a little uh, questionable on how things are worded. People are looking at words they've never seen before in their life. But, you know, over the past mm -hmm. year, especially with COVID, now that we have, you know, Zoom being becoming more of a thing, we have these podcasts, uh, we got to start utilizing them a little bit more. I know the past year, our District Deputy Association um, started doing it. And it's great because more district deputies that can't really come out because they have full-time jobs are taking part in it. I mean, it's nice that you get to see everybody together, but it, it's better if we can reach more districts, you know, 
So it works out easier that way for us. And I think there should be some type of way, um, whether it be Robert's Rules of Order or a new improved manual of instruction, how we can get ourselves up to the 21st century. I mean, that's been something that our fellows have been fighting for years is trying to keep with the times. Every time we get comfortable, it seems like things are redone and we're left in the smoke. Hmm. You know, I think that uh, I agree with so much you said. And I think that the idea of keeping up with the times really was just lost in the last 40, 50 years when there just weren't enough people coming in with new ideas. You were, you were bringing in somebody who was like you or who was your, your neighbor or your mate or your, your coworker that just retired with you. You know, that sort of person was kind of the, the member. So, so keeping up was hard. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, the pace of change seems to be happening a bit faster and people's expectations are a little bit higher. And, you know, certainly here, and it's been the theme of a couple of our recent podcasts, is a certain amount of evolution as well. And then traditional rubbing up against different ideas. And that's everything from, I think, ideology to maybe how, how things are run. You know, I think it's a, a neat thing. It's cool to be part of changes for sure. Well, the other, the other thing is when you have a new person come in and, um, well, we're, we're very blessed that, you know, we have this funky old building that's been around for 140 years and uh and it's glamorous looking and all of that but the um what goes on inside shouldn't be as old as the building mm. you know mm -hmm. like it has a very old feel because we have this ritual and because we have this order of things <laughs> but the people who are sitting there are going like this is this is this is completely foreign to the rest of my work my life mm -hmm. right i work in a coffee shop because they have free wi-fi or i work uh somewhere in a remote office somewhere that mm -hmm. is not like this at all so even though it's old building it shouldn't really have an old feel to the meetings we should be yeah you know, we should be we should move through the rules or move through the meeting with a, a modern speed well, and I think, you know, it's like if you show up at a job and you're new and you witness a process and you ask your new desk mate across a cubicle, like, hey, why do we do it this way? And then invariably, sometimes you get the shrug and be like, I don't know, we've just always done it this way. And then you're the new guy and you observe things like, oh, maybe we could just uh, switch to a red toner instead of blue. And everyone's like, no. Well, why? And then it's like, well, because, you know, so I think with however, whatever format we use to execute our meetings appropriately, be it Robert's rules or something else, it'd be great to be able to have somebody who's new who is new and be like, we do it this way because, and that answer not being because it's what oh, we've always done. It's way. because it supplies a value to the membership. And, and I like stepping back in time when I go into lodge, the part of me, yeah, that's like, yeah I love it. I, I don't need, I don't need the hustle and bustle necessarily of that kind of today's stuff. I, uh, yeah, I don't mind. I'll wear the weird hat. It's cool. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't well, that's a lot of the problem, too. I think when people bring in members, I just brought a person into a lodge that 20 members on the books, they're getting just five out. Their noble grand's 90 years old and can't hear anymore. So I had a person who wanted to join that lives close to there. I told them what they were getting into. 
Mm-hmm. Too many times people are joining these lodges. Oh, it's a great organization. We do this, this, and this. They walk into this decrepit old building. There's five people sitting there. They get obligated to join, which isn't a thing. Then the Grand Master comes once a year and they get yelled at because they're not doing things right. These new people are sitting here going, what did you get me involved with? If things aren't going the way they should, you let the people know, hey, they're in a period of rebuilding. It's getting a little rough, but stick with them and you can help and you can grow. There's a lot of potential here. And, uh, you know, we, we just brought her in this past week. It was 95 degrees outside third floor of the building, no air conditioning, but we wore the robes. We went through the full shebang. And, uh, you know, that's the other thing. Yeah, we follow the ritual. We're going to sing. You know, when you bring a 50-some-year-old person into the order, oh, we, we sing an ode when we open the law. What, what's that about? We don't, I haven't sung in 20 years, you know. And then they hear the old music or whatever, but you tell them there's a lot of different things we do as tradition. and. Um, that's it's just makes us who we are it sets us mm-hmm. apart from just being a lodge that sits around a table talking about getting old <laughs> watching each other get old yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. when i was uh being courted by my sponsor i went to a, a function that was a lot of fun and i was sitting with uh, a, a member who uh he was groomed getting groomed to be noble grand at the time and he i said so like what's the deal like come on somebody's got to come up there's got to be something weird about like there's something weird i've done as much internet searching as possible and he just said listen we're a bunch of men that get together sing songs and donate a whole bunch of money to the community who wouldn't want a piece of that and i thought okay you sing songs that that's very interesting <laughs> tell me more about this because i don't <laughs> like to sing <laughs> I sing pretty loud now. All right, I just want to hit this survey one more time because we've got uh, a couple of things that I did want to pick up on before we uh, shoot off to our next topic. And uh, one of the things that we asked was, what was a good way for people to learn uh, Robert's Rules of Order or Rosenberg's Rules? And uh, again, I kind of did a summary of this. I will not put everyone through 32 answers. Uh, but we got uh, six people that said cheat sheets. Yeah. Bastion has cheat sheets. Did you know that? No. I mean, yes. I mean, no. <laughs> your lodge has cheat sheets. Oh. Does your lodge have cheat sheets? No. Bastion has a really nice two-page cheat sheet, which are kind of like the ones you would run into the most often. I didn't know that. Okay, so here now we get into the dirt. So I didn't know <laughs> that... Uh, point of privilege was actually something do you know what that is no i'm not sure it's it's when the heat or the air conditioning isn't set comfortably you can say point of privilege and make a request to turn up the heat or turn down the ac that's isn't that isn't that crazy i didn't know that was in robert's rules i never heard of that no now of course closing the closing the window or getting more beer delivered but Sovereign Grand Lodge did have a packet of parliamentary procedures. We have one at the office, and it's fresh out of the 1970s. But um, I don't know if they still have one anymore, but that would be good if they would put something out. Just kind of, they took it from Robert's Rules of Order of, of how to efficiently run a meeting, and they sent them out. We had a few sitting around the office, but like I said, they were from the 70s probably. 
But if they can come up with something like that and send it out to the lodges or even at least on a jurisdictional level, it would probably help out, you know, give the lodges something to talk about coming out of COVID. Hey, just a reminder how you're supposed to run a meeting since you haven't met in over a year. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. It's a good refresher time, yeah. Um, the other two main ones were in were formal classes and talks, and we had seven people suggest that. You know, that's for the parliamentarians. You, you've got to have that in your population of lodge members to pull that one off, or you're watching it on, or you're doing a, a YouTube group night or something like that. Mm. I, we don't have any parliamentarians in our, in Columbia too. And then the last one was uh, six people suggested sort of a passive uh, sit down and listen, which was one of my favorite uh, responses, just sit down and listen. Um, Another one was respect others' voices, take turns, no dictators allowed. That was a good one. <laughs> Periodically discuss uh, it as a topic at the meetings or for educational purposes. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. Just kind of shoot it up there. Uh, so I got Robert's Rules Quick Start Guide. Oh, there you go by it's, it's there's no author taking any credit for this this is from Clyde Bank Business there you go uh, but it's very uh, interesting to me because it is not 200 and some odd pages it is only 70 pages and uh, it does some pretty quick and dirty like I looked up Robert's rules for dummies and it was still 300 pages oh dear it's a smart dummy yeah, or really informed afterwards, um, or asleep. But um, this th this is really good because it does quite a number of explanations on kind of motions and stuff like that. Mm. So that's an easy one. I got that because uh, one day I will uh, be noble grand and I'll have to figure it out. Like, I didn't know. Did you know that if uh, a motion comes out of a committee, mm -hmm. that it does not need a second? I I did because you mentioned it earlier. Like I said, I'm a real nice receptive blank slate to a lot of these rules. Did it's you know that one, great. Justin? I didn't know that one, no. No, that's this. That's... We, normally the way we work it, the committees aren't supposed to make motions because they're the ones proposing it. So obviously they're going to be agreeing with what they're proposing, you know? Yeah, but yeah that's what we, that's what we got things. too. Like they'll yeah, be that how we always done it. <laughs> this is some rogue chair. I know we've talked about this for six months, but this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So in our meetings, for example, a committee might, might report out and they'll say like, you know, for this event or for this thing, uh, if we had a budget of $150, then we can make X, Y, Z happen. Um, you know, we'd appreciate if someone made a motion and then someone from outside that committee would make the motion for $150 to buy the thing to do the thing is how I've observed it yeah. happening. Um, and that seems to work for us, but I was not, I couldn't say for sure if that followed Robert's rules per se, that's mm. just our habit. But uh, which, if it's to the contrary, then interesting. Yeah, which again, I don't think, like we're not, we're not building a new bridge for the city, right? <laughs> like this is not huge stuff that we're talking about. So fighting over whether there should be a second or not. Right. It's like, let's not work. Like, let's just move on. It's $150 or it's $500 or, you know, if there's, um, if you're deciding what to do with your net, your lodge's nest egg, and that's coming out of a, a, a good committee 
report or a good committee analysis, mm -hmm. then you, you'll get everybody reading it or understanding it because it's the nest egg. But if it's just a small amount to decide to, like I've always had this thing about motions that I, I it drives me crazy when the motions are for everything. Yeah. There's a motion to, there's a motion to collect clothes. No, no. Um, I don't think there needs to be a motion to collect clothes. I mm. think there's a motion when you're going to do something affecting the lodges finances mm -hmm. or availability mm -hmm. or resources in some way, the hall, the money, the time of the members or whatever. But yeah, like sometimes you hear, I've heard it that it's like, Oh, I'd like to have a motion that we all pitch in and, you know, donate socks. No. But does Robert's, what does Robert's rule say about that? Cause I like, I, I'm not, and I'm not disagreeing. It's like any, like the terms of reference of a committee, this is in scope, but this is out of scope. So does Robert's rule sort of have an in scope for the types of decision-making that warrants motions yes. or no? Okay. And, and does it, what does it say? I didn't look up socks. <laughs> That's in the uh, second edition. <laughs> That's in the clothing edition. That's in the thicker book. Yes. That's, in the, that's in the 300 page. Yeah, oh exactly. God. No, it, it's hey, uh, hey, this is where we to ask the our listeners tell us what you think. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's mean, and then don't. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> shall we move on to our other topic? Because we're on committees. Yeah, yeah. We can, segue. We can go segue, abrupt segue. <laughs> uh, no, and I know that we're, we've uh, chatted for a while, so I also want to be conscientious of time. Um, but just maybe give a synopsis of how you guys organize committees, what works well for you, and then how some of that decision-making trickles down from like governance type things. We, we chatted about this in, in our pre-meeting, so take it away. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's um, with, with what we were just talking about too, that would be a good idea. I know our Grand Lodge has, has an education and instruction committee something that's been quiet for years hasn't done anything now we're looking to try and start getting active with it it'll be good to have robert's rules or something that the education committee can go around to these lodges and hold different type of seminars um committees seem to be the backbone of a lodge and i think that's why there's a lot of lodges failing anymore because it's hard when you I helped a lodge, I joined as an associate back in 2010, and they literally had five members on books. So when I joined and started trying to get all these committees, it's the same, you know, everybody has two or three committees they're on, and, you know, they don't quite know what to do. Uh, for Sovereign Grand Lodge rules, for our laws, um, and even for the, the regular lodge bylaws, lodges are supposed to have a membership committee. They're supposed to have, you know, a finance committee uh different ones like that and it seems like these lodges are they're having committees my lodge is one of them we have all these committees none of them ever report none of them ever do anything and we sit at lodge wondering why we don't have any members well what's the membership committee doing well who's on that again you know and it doesn't seem like these committees are acting um it is hard in today's day and age to get people active to want to go to a meeting two nights a month in the first place then when you tell them well your committee's supposed to meet you're supposed to come up with ideas well now you want more of my time uh, you know it's it's nice to have these committees and it would be better i think 
obviously, the more people you have in the lodge, the less work you essentially will have to do. Instead of being on five or six committees, you might only be on one mm-hmm. and you can focus on it more. But it, it seems, you know, it seems like we have a problem, you know, at least in lodges I've been to, to get people to want to serve on committees. And then when they do, all right, well, are you going to tell me what to do now? Because um, well, there's a committee I'm on right now with, with the Oddfellows and the Rebecca Lodge. You know, I said, I will be on it to help out, but I don't want to do all the work. I'm doing all the work, you know, and it puts a lot of work then on one or two people to try and pull it off. And it, it can get overwhelming at times, you know. So, um, you know, it is important that lodges have these. But then when it comes time to your, your governance areas, like your trustees or your board of directors, those we elect, um, you know, there are three to one year term and then they re-up every year, one person does. So if they're not doing anything, at least we can get them out then and put somebody else new in. But if not, you know, if you got somebody in there who caused a lot of problems, you've stuck with them for three years unless they just stop coming to meetings. Well, and it becomes, I think, demoralizing too at a meeting where you're like reports of committees, especially if you list off committees and it's like nothing, nothing, nothing. And it almost like compounds the inertia of things not getting done. Uh, and it's, it's not fun and like sucks the energy from the room when you realize that things aren't happening. So it's better in my mind to have like four actionable committees with more people or stuff's getting done than aspirational committees of things that you would love to do and nothing gets done. And it's just not, I don't know, it doesn't create the right energy. I feel like to get people excited to join because it seems like this hamster wheel that just goes on. Yeah, I think my success with committees has only been uh, one way, and that is when there's a mission, and the mission is somewhat gift-wrapped to the committee. You know, like, it's not just thrown to the committee and say, okay, well, you're the, I don't know, I want to pick on a committee that exists, Um, but uh, there's, there's committees that get created because they're wish list committees. Mm-hmm. and they are not given enough mandate, not even mandate, just just a mission, like kind of uh, visiting committee is a really good example because visiting committee uh, between our two lodges is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, who makes up the visiting committee is actually in our bylaws, and I don't know if it is in, in Bastions. So you, you, you get the, at least the, the, you get the turnover because there's an officer involved there. Mm-hmm. So there's, a, there's somebody who's kind of changing in there, but they were never really given a great mandate at the start of the year. We just said, oh, well, we're actually going to do it as per the bylaws instead of just three, three members who said, I'd like to be on the visiting committee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once they kind of got the inertia going and figured out their mission, then it made it easier to act. Right. My wife is on the visiting committee for Bastion, mm-hmm. and and there was a, there was a stage where there wasn't a lot of definition, mm-hmm. and they were okay. Well, you know, in now modern times, we're not going to a sick bed, or we're not sending the doctor or the nurse over. So, what is the visiting committee doing? Like, what is the responsibility? Mm-hmm. And they felt like their scope grew really fast. Like it wasn't about visiting the sick anymore. It was about 
a lot of other stuff was just kind of getting thrown in. Right. Because they were a standing committee. Right. And so they couldn't have a mission to say, nope, we don't do that. Mm, right. As opposed to, I guess, some of the grassroots committees, they set their own terms because yes. the people are showing up. Like an event committee, like an event committee yeah. says, oh, we're having a spaghetti social. And so we need these people. And this is how it happens. And then the committee ends. Yeah. And they're, the, they're self-directed to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Do you, what's your structure for a visiting committee, Justin? In our lodge, it's like the noble grand, the vice grand and the secretary. It's in our bylaws. That's one of the committees that seems like it's in most lodges bylaws as a visiting committee. Um, and again, it's not really one that um it is happening they look at me and say you know well how so and so i don't know i'm not on the committee you are you know but then you're calling somebody out and you, you don't really want to do that um what i started doing in the one lodge and then well just fell through um with that old education book that parliamentary procedure book i was talking about from the 70s there were pages that showed like if you're on the finance committee this is what you're supposed to do if you're on ways and means, this is what you're supposed to do. So I made copies of them, those pages. And then when the committees were appointed at the beginning of the term, I gave them a copy and said, this is what you should do. Please give them back at the end of the term. And then I never got them back. And that's kind of where it fell. But at least, you know, I agree. These people are going on committees and they're not sure. Okay, I'm on ways and means. I don't know what that is, you know. So nothing ever gets done because no one ever told them what to do. But if they were given a card or at least an explanation of what they should be doing, then there shouldn't be a problem because, like, we don't have event committees. Mm -hmm. That's what our ways and means is for if we're trying to raise money or if we're trying to do something for membership, then we have a publicity committee. You know, at least if you can try and form it to one of those committees, throw it off to them, that committee can say, okay, this seems all too big for us. Uh, so-and-so wants to be in charge of it. They're not on the publicity committee. How about we set up our own committee and let people work with it that way? That would be a good way around that and maybe get some more people active. Uh, maybe they can spread their wings in a different capacity then. So Justin made a point about avoiding conversation or discussion during a meeting that would be a committee. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that was... Uh, a success or that was an actual reality in your lodge when you noble grant deferred to a committee or anything like that yeah i mean not all the time but here and there for sure when it kind of the conversation goes down the garden path yeah then uh sometimes when it needs to be it's kicked out to a outside conversation and, and sometimes not again giving people space yeah. to express their passions and that's great so it's a, a balance but um so strictly speaking, does it happen all the time? No, but has it happened for sure? No, because yeah. it's a good validation for the governance of the committee. Right, totally. Like it's saying, no, that's their wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. And we don't all need to talk about this all the time. Right. That, that's why you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so pat ourselves in the back. Oh, we're so smart. <laughs> uh, so leading to Grand Lodge then. So... Grand Lodge is not a working committee as often mm -hmm. as I know I I got our Grand Lodge filing I'm vice grand this year and I got the uh, filing package with the noble grand and the secretary of Columbia Lodge and there was like 12 documents attached to this email 
And we were like, well, what committee is this? And it was, no, it was for members of our lodge who were members of the, or chairs of a committee, a grand lodge committee. Once we figured out we had none, we we're like, okay, we don't need to fill out that form. But those committees exist at Grand Lodge and I'm no familiarity with them at all. Mm. Do you have any familiarity? I do not. So we're here to learn. I don't know how your jurisdiction does it. We have, we have a larger jurisdiction. Um, it, Pennsylvania, thank God, is small. For me to drive, I think my furthest visitation was five and a half hours away. Um, I know I had a guy call me from Ontario and I'd never really looked at how big Ontario was. And I thought, thank God I wasn't involved there. Cause I mean, you know, they said our, you know, furthest, you know, thing is, is easy. You know, you have to go by plane, you know, or you're going to be driving for 22 plus hours. So we have a small jurisdiction and we have about 70 lodges. So we've been trying to get a lot more lodges active and put them on different committees. So if, if they're not back, back, when I started, things were starting to die off. It was the same four or five people on every committee. So now that we're getting more people showing up for session and that are taking an active part in it, hey, why don't you go on our lodge bylaw committee and help us approve lodges bylaws? Or why don't you go on our finance committee and, and see how we operate? You know, So we are getting more people involved and we have some pretty active committees. Um, you know, the ones that look over the, our, our uh, ground lodge code of law and make sure it's up with sovereigns. Uh, we have our finance committee, advisory committee, our two big committees, which we haven't been as active with that need to start getting active is your education and instruction committee and your membership and communications uh, committee. I know back when I first started, we used to have membership seminars. We don't have them anymore. And there's people saying, you know, we don't know how to get members. You know, and as the Grand Masters coming in, it's like you need to put people on this membership committee that are going to hold membership seminars and talk to people on how to join and how to bring in members. And it just doesn't seem to be happening. So I'm hoping this year coming out of COVID, we can really start getting active with it. But unfortunately, you know, society's coming out of it. So now we're all of a sudden, sudden uh, completely busy doing something every night of the week because everything's opening up at the same time. And, um, you know, we, we just got out of session. We're starting to try get back on track. I'm hoping we can start getting these committees active. Our district deputies are a vital thing. We have a very uh, active district deputy association. If we can keep on things like that, it'll help. But um, our committees are important. And if we don't, utilize them as often as we should we're going to fail now we have our general ones that sovereign you know requires us to have the arthritis committee visual committee education committee they've well the education one has been running like a well-oiled machine for years uh tom McHugh, he's a past grandmaster out of pittston um him and a couple others you know we work on giving out scholarships and it's a great program that we have to offer our visual research committee is dead in the water. You know, there's 20 people on it, but they don't meet, they don't do anything. And there's a lot of potential to do some really good things there. So um, it's just, you know, the fact of getting people interested and involved, 
you know, some people want to help out, but they can't go through the chairs of Grand Lodge. But maybe they, maybe visual research is something that might be near and dear to them. Um, you know, I see on Facebook all the time these feel good, you know, ads about these colorblind people getting those glasses and then they can see colors. You know, I said, why can't our visual committee do something like that and, you know, put it online and say this was sponsored by the Odd Fellows of Pennsylvania? Good publicity, you know, mm-hmm. and we're fulfilling part of what we're supposed to be doing by relieving the distressed. Um, the more active we get and the more active these committees get, the better, you know, we're going to function. But when it comes to these committees like legislation and judicial, those help make sure the lodges, the homes and associations that we still oversee are running correctly. Because as long as everything goes smooth, you know, we have more time to focus on membership than focus on, you know, stupid things that don't really have to, that are just taking up our time and not accomplishing anything. So you said something about the size of a committee. You said 20 people on the committee and that's not a committee. Just, <laughs> just like, I'm, I'm, this is my hot take, hot take for the night. 20 people is not a committee. 11 people is not a committee. Those are working groups. Mm. Those are where you're getting your ideas tested. Right. You're, you're, you're taking that idea that the committee had and you want to see if it holds water. That's where you go. You cannot have I'm, hot take. You cannot have a committee of eleven people coming up with a motion that's going to come to the lodge. Hmm. You need a committee of five, seven max. Like it. it well, those are getting. those are grand lodge committees. They're not like subordinate lodge committees. Yeah, uh, and most of them are are like again mandated that each and, and where we get it from is each of the five branches have to have three people on the committee, and then they're supposed to meet which you're not doing, but in the regular lodge. Yeah. I mean, our committees are only three people. Right. Yeah. But go back to that. So grand lodge is man. You have a mandate of how many of each of the branches. So if you have, uh, you mean encampment, uh, odd fellows and Rebecca and odd fellows, Rebecca's encampment, the PMs and the LA PM. So ladies auxiliary so up to 15 people plus the five branch heads. <laughs> So, which doesn't happen too much. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, quite the quite the occasion if everyone showed up. Well, yeah, and, and, and you start looking at at the lists, and there's one person listed on as for the odd fellows, one for the encampment, and one for the canton. It's like you have one person filling in three different chairs, so oh. you have twenty people, and you hope when you call a meeting for joint youth, uh, you hope we can get seven out, you know, and then. It's people throughout the whole state. So we sit around going, okay, what can we do to start a youth group in Pennsylvania? You know, um, it, it's more of the, the larger jurisdictional committees like arthritis, education, visual, joint youth, uh, the kind of ones like that, that are supposed to be more of a broad platform on how can we, if we're going to raise money for arthritis, how do we get it through all the branches to support it, you know? Um, those work a lot differently than like our blue book committee, which is supposed to review the Grand Lodge code of law and, and write updates into code to get approved that sovereign, you know, they run a lot different than those, uh, legislative committees. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, totally. Justin. Yes. How do you know a lodge is, 
How do you know a lodge is... Ex- <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's try again. Take hey, hey, Justin. Three. Yeah. How do you know if a lodge is successful? Membership. If they're growing their membership, if they are retaining their members, and if they are active in their community. If we see... I see several active lodges on Facebook, and I look at them going, hey, they're a successful lodge. Uh, we see them out. We see them out with 40, 50 people. We see their meetings are nice, you know. You don't have to have a large membership to have a good lodge, but as long as your community knows you're there and you're solvent, you know, your membership is comfortable, your finances are comfortable, and they're working with, you know, the collective group, the working with the other lodges, you know, uh, that's one of the big parts I always say with the, this fraternity, fraternity, we're not just within our own four walls. We got to help our neighboring lodges succeed. And, you know, that, it's, you know, in a nutshell, I, I don't want to see my lodge succeed. I want to see the whole jurisdiction move forward together. I don't lose any more lodges. We can't, uh, we can't, manage to lose anymore we've shrunk down to where we can't shrink anymore we need to start getting comfortable and growing back out again you know no that's great thank you Mm -hmm. that's it hey no problem it was really a pleasure i enjoy doing this kind of stuff um people can't see me which is a wonderful thing my (laughs) dear it is what it is but it's, it's fun doing this kind of stuff you know when we have a lot of people interested in joining one of the things I've been doing is, hey, listen to the Three Links podcast, listen to the Modern Goat Rider. You know, we're on social, we're on active social platforms like this. And it's it's really a, a good thing to have because people are going on and saying, hey, this is, we're hearing lodges grow from all over the world. This organization isn't dead. You know, uh, part of the fight that we have is trying to let people know that we're still around, you know, mm-hmm. and by things such as the modern boat rider i mean it, it's been helping out so much i've been sending a lot of people to you guys and uh hopefully it's paying off well thank you thank you very much so that'll do it for us thanks to justin and uh, i hope you enjoyed the show uh tara and i will be back again soon making more odd fellows discoveries and seeing the odd fellowship all around us cheers nflt